what's up, folks? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Rest of the Show. Sincere Hogan got Mike Mahler on the other side of things, man. On a crazy day. Somebody, as I like to call it, um, American Horror Story election year. You know, somebody, this is the season finale. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, if, 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 if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to be still be talking about the world in a year, it's pretty obvious who to vote for. We either have a liar or a total fucking idiot that'll blow up the world within <laughs> thirty days of being in office. I mean, it's not a great choice, but it's a pretty obvious choice. Yeah, it's gonna be funny. You know, everybody was like to measure everything by the first one hundred days. I'm like, yeah, good luck getting to a hundred. <laughs> Just like, yeah, so, that's yeah. a big assumption right there. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh uh, yeah, that that was cute in all the other elections with the other presidents, but good luck even making it past that probation period. <laughs> so, well, I'll tell you one yeah, thing: so. if if Trump if Trump wins and you like to play the stock market, it's a good time to short the market because the market's <laughs> gonna drop hard tomorrow. <laughs> well, honestly, it's gonna it's gonna drop hard either way. Neither one is. Good I don't think it'll drop as much. I don't think it'll drop as much if Clinton wins, just because she's she's just considered more stable. She's the same old, same old. But we know what that is, right? So that's predictable. But the market doesn't like unpredictability, like and someone like Trump is totally voting, unpredictable. If you're voting uh, in terms of anything as far as like contractors overseas and 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 business like that, and anything dealing with conflict, then tomorrow would yeah. be a good day for you. Clinton wins. As a matter of fact, now that I say that, I know what I'm doing when it's call in. <laughs> I got to move some things around. You know? <laughs> As I'm saying, I'm like, wait a minute. This is, what? What? How, how come I didn't think about this prior till today? I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta gotta make a few moves right quick, man, and move some stocks around. So hey, man, yeah, gold, somebody, gold, gold is starting. To, gold is starting to look pretty good about right now. You know? Gold is always gold, gold, good. gold and silver is starting to look like safe bets right now. Look, man, as long as we continue to fight wars that we can't win, gold and silver is going to always look great. Okay, somebody, anytime there's conflict, and that's the best time to get it. That's the best time to get it. But hey, I'm not getting anybody any any investment advice because I am not qualified to do so. Somebody, that's why you need to go back to the episode of Rohit and you know and learn from an expert about that. Right. So I'm just speaking personally. Well, I think I think the biggest problem people make is is thinking that it's going to make such a huge difference in their personal life, right? It's like, well, what are you doing <laughs> in your personal thing. life? You know, your success is your responsibility. It's not the president's exactly. responsibility. It's not your local. It's not the governor's responsibility in your states or any local official, city council. It's your responsibility. And see that right and all, there. And all these, like, that, they're going to bring back jobs from overseas. It's like those jobs suck. That's why they're overseas. All right. Those jobs aren't coming back. And guess what? Like, like, and guess what? When cars were invented, jobs, the horse carriage drivers, yeah, the horse carriage drivers had to realize, you know what? I need to learn how to drive a car because this is going, you know, horse, horse carriage is antiquated now. It's always laughing. I hate people. I hate to bust people's bubble, but there's not going to be a wall because a lot of those people come over doing jobs that suck. Okay. <laughs> They're doing, that no one wants to do. So my, everything's so, it just sounds great. It, it, it plays on your emotions, people. Let's just for one minute. That's why it's always great. The best well, the way wall, to be an informed the voter. Stupid. The best way to <laughs> the best way to be an informed voter is to turn off the news, and then and actually go talk to your neighbor and say, "Hey, man, what's going on with you? What what are you concerned with?" And then that's how you do things. And then you talk. And then you have real town hall meetings, not staged meetings on some corporate run news network. That's not a town hall meeting. That is a bunch of actors and a bunch of robots who have been told what to say and what they couldn't say. So it's not a town hall meeting when it's been edited, you know, and, and even when someone speaks the way they really feel, you'll never know because it gets edited if it doesn't fit the agenda of that network. So that's why you go out to your real communities, not some contrived, made up community on television. 
Like, come on, community with a TV show. Leave it at that. <laughs> so it's not going to be anything else if you're watching it on the boob tube, man. And they canceled that show, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so, but anyhow, man, you know, we're let's, let's talk about some things. We have a, our guest today, man. Like every time he comes on here, we we talk about real issues in the world and and not necessarily playing upon made up fears. You know, things that are really going on that, you know, that should really get people motivated to take action and take responsibility and not leave it in the hands of politicians and whoever else. Because a lot of times they're going to play catch up once the people are making moves. And our guests yeah, are right. those people who are out doing things and not just talking a good yep. game. And these are the people that you should look to as a leader and as an example, like an inspiration. Like, you know what? That's what I'm talking about because everybody's making promises. This dude's making moves. So, you know, I want to. Let's welcome our guest, James Parham, back on the show. Hey, James, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks, Sincere. Appreciate being back on with you guys. Oh, man, good to have good you to back. Have you, man. Oh, yeah, it's a cra- crazy week, you know, not only just the election, but, you know, it's, it's just so funny that, you know, this is the week also of, of Veterans Day as well. And, of course, yes. you know, you are a veteran yourself, and thank you for your service. And it fits right into, you know, the move that you've made now, you know, this new career path that you have, and, you know, dealing with our veterans, which... You know, like you and I kind of talked about on um, Instant Message, you know, why, why, you know, we wanted you to have back, you know, have you back on the show to even like it's, it's an election year. And there's also another issue going on. It's like what's going on with our vets and how mm-hmm. our government is handling that situation. And, you know, of course, a lot of them can't sit and wait for the government. Otherwise, they won't be taken care of. So I thought it was just perfect to have you on the show, man, and just really talk about, you know, your your new move with um with this organization called Veterans Path. So other than Absolutely. that, man, what's been going on with you? Before we get into that, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it, uh, I made this transition just a few months ago, and um, you know, as you guys know, you guys have had me on the show before. I, I've been um, working in the anti-human trafficking field for almost the last twelve years, and uh, you know, my wife and I uh, launched an organization that was working in Cambodia. We were working with um, sex trafficking victims, and um, back in September of 2014. Um, we decided to merge our organization. We really wanted to be able to help more victims in more places with the programs that we had set up. And so in, um, in 2014, we merged with um, an organization out of the UK called Hope for Justice. And um, sure enough, we've been able to expand programs. So now we're serving victims in the, in the UK, the US, Cambodia, and Norway. And they're continuing to, you know, look for, you know, other places they can grow that aligns with, you know, the, the mission and goals of the organization. And, and they're, they're definitely doing good work. But, um, what happened for me was in, um, you know, 2014, I realized I just have way too much ambition and passion to just kind of take a job somewhere and, and hold a position. And so I, I had felt like I, um, really needed to turn that over to, to someone that, you know, really wanted that position and take on a new challenge. And um, so for me, you know, I'm, I'm, and I, I don't know, you guys have had other vets on, on your program that, you know, are doing some amazing work. And so, you know, I'm sure you guys and your audience is familiar, but, you know, you're talking about in America, we're sitting on this really strong precipice of um, an epidemic in, in America where we've got, you know, 20 veterans a day are killing themselves. One active duty military member takes their own life every day. Um, but, you know, what, what those numbers don't even account for is that we've had 7 million veterans served since 1990. So since the Gulf War years to now, we've had 7 million people. We have 2.5 million um, men and women that fought in combat. They're combat veterans in Iraq and Afghanistan that are returning home. And, 
you know, what that number, that 20 suicides a day doesn't account for us. It doesn't account for the numbers of, of attempted suicides. It doesn't right. account for the number of contemplated suicides. And even more so, it's, it's not really giving us the struggle that many veterans are facing is that, you know, they're not truly really coming home. And, right. um, and so, uh, this organization is, um, you know, their, their mission statement is, you know, empowering veterans to journey forward. You know, we enable returning veterans to rediscover meaning, purpose, and joy in their lives through mindfulness, meditation, safe community. And this organization, when I heard about it, <clears throat> before I actually started with the organization, I went on a retreat myself. Um, I'm an eight year Marine veteran and, um, and I've had some, you know, crap living in my life that I just couldn't figure out. And uh, I went out on this retreat and I'll tell you a week later I came back and it was, it was transformative. Um, being in a group of other, other veterans that have experienced similar kinds of things, um, been through some of the same kind of crap that I've been through um, and then try to integrate into their civilian lives, not realizing that they're like, what's all this depression and anger and frustration and anxiety going on. Um, it was an amazing experience of being able to walk through some of that stuff, learn some skills to help get my head straight. Um, and, um, and as I started meeting these veterans, I'm like, I, I have to do this. I have to jump on board. You know, there's no way we can continue to lose over 7,000 vets a year um, mm -hmm. to suicide and inner conflict and turmoil without doing something. So um, uh, as of September, I'm the executive director here at Veterans Path. That's that's awesome, and, and the cool thing is the fact that you immersed yourself in it. So it wasn't like, oh, I see a position open, I'm going to take this position, and then I'll just figure it out, you know, once I get there, you know, what's what it's all about. It was one of those situations where, you know, you did it, and you're like, wow, you know, how can I be a part of this? You know, this it's definitely more out there than just me, and and I think it really helps in the situation because you are a veteran yourself, so I think it makes it a little more welcoming to other vets out there when they see one of their own who's gone through it. So I'm pretty sure when you go out and speak and, and reach out to these guys, that brotherhood and sisterhood, you know, that family situation is there. So it's kind of like, oh, man, okay, this dude gets it. He's been there because a lot of times you see folks, want they want to help. Civilians want to help. But a lot of times I know there's so many things that we don't understand that you guys have gone through and, and feel. And, you know, a lot of times it gets very, I think that's part of the frustration. I think a lot of vets go through when they come back to the fact, when they come back to the world, back into the free world here, that so many of us don't understand what went on wherever they were, and, you know, and it becomes very yeah. frustrating. So you feel isolated. Well, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's an interesting facet to, I think what we're facing in particular with the last, you know, 13 years of conflict in, in Iraq and Afghanistan is that, um, you know, they, it's one, it's anticlimactic. You know, these guys spend yeah. multiple tours in combat zones with, you know, just intensive combat exposure and then come back to the United States and, and what they're going to take like a desk job and sit nine to five Monday to Friday, you know, working right. for the weekend. It, 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 so there's, there's that side of it. There's sort of this adrenaline piece of, of veterans that, um, it, it doesn't, they don't feel like they have purpose and meaning in their lives anymore. Um, but the other facet of it is, you know, when you're in the military, you belong to the government, you know, your, your government property. Mm -hmm. I, I remember in, uh, in 1987, I got a sunburn. I was in Japan. I got a sunburn on the beach and I went into the clinic cause I was like, it was bad. And, uh, I was going to get written up for destruction of government property. And, wow. and so, you know, you like, you realize like, you know, like my ass belongs to them and, yeah. Um, and, and, and so you've got all this ritual, you know, like you've got, 
you know, the boot camp ritual and promotion rituals. And, you know, when you get a medal, there's a ritual when you, you know, I mean, every event in the military is kind of, it's recognized, recognized, recognized. And then you become a civilian, they hand you your discharge certificate and there's no more ritual. There's no more, there's no more connection and, and, and fanfare. And so, you, those those veterans no longer belong to the government. They belong to our communities. And, and I, I, you know, I think in the last 10 years, we've seen more support from the public to say, like, I support the troops. But I don't think people really understand what that means. I mean, these, yeah, are, these guys before. are coming yeah. back with some ugly shit living in their heads that, you know, there's got to be something that's more more formalized and helping to really integrate. Um, you know, these men and women back into the into the fold of being a civilian and what that what that means to be a part of their communities. Definitely. And, you know, Mike and I have brought that up before in previous episodes that when people say they support the truth, like I say, it goes beyond just buying a yellow ribbon magnet to put on the back of your car and put a sign in your yard and you wave the flag. You know, like, you know, one of the things I especially being in the personal protection firearms world, I constantly look for veteran owned businesses. You know, a lot of those guys, that's usually like the first stop when they come back into the world, because it makes a little bit more sense for them. It's it's kind of reflective of what they've been through and what they've done, you know, by going into into that world, you know, but at the same time, yeah, it's not exactly the same as it was, but it just, it's just, it's a natural transition for a lot of these guys. So, you know, I look for those things. And when someone's looking for an instructor, you know, for certain things, if you're looking for things more tactical and things like that, I point people in the direction of a veteran owned business because who better to tell you about more tactical things than vets themselves? You know, because yeah. they, they've lived that. So don't, you know, don't come to me for that because I, you know, I haven't been in any tactical situations, you know, as specific as that and cornering and things like that. So, you know, but then there's other veteran owned businesses as well. I mean, like I make a point, you know, I see a lot of guys on Instagram, you know, they have their business where they're selling, I don't know if they're selling like just like firearms parts or they're selling t-shirts or things like that. They have their gym. Some of these guys are transitioning into the fitness world now and, and cause they were really into fitness before they, you know, before they went into the service. And, you know, of course, they really got into it even more when they were, you know, serving. And then when it came back out, it's like, you know, here's another natural fit for them. So, you know, I always look and try to do my part to try to support those guys as well. So there are so many different ways of supporting your vets other than, like I said, just buying that ribbon or just donating to organizations. It's like we can still be more active. Or if you know someone, let's just say, like, I know you guys, you know, you, you one of the programs that you include in, you know, in Veterans Path is meditation. It's like, Look, man, you know someone that's in yoga or, or meditation, you know, they're into that. You know, here's a whole group of people that are being underserved with those things that can really help them out. You know, so if you know an instructor like, hey, you ever thought about going to this organization or trying to get in here, especially a lot of these people who are just starting off as yoga instructors, trying to like, what do I do with my business? And trying to serve everybody is usually a good way to fail a business. So I'm like, you know, if people want to talk about dial down your niche. Like, here's an underserved whole group of people right here. You got all these vets right here. So why not create yoga programs for them, meditation programs for them, talk to organizations such as Veterans Path. You know, there's there's a start right there. So yeah. I think I think looking at people's I think looking at people's hormones though, like what Dr. Mark Gordon does is the most obvious thing that's not doing. I mean every soldier coming back should have a full blood work analysis done. Because a lot of yeah. these symptoms he's noticed are from hormonal issues, or at least they could be mitigated or overcome more by optimizing hormones, just like with anyone who has hormonal issues. But <clears throat> with, besides supporting your organization, right, that seems like an obvious thing to do. Donate money to your organization, support the good work you do. What can people do on an individual level to help soldiers? Yeah, you know, that's a great, that's a great question. Because one of the things that we get, Mike, often is people are like, well, why isn't the VA doing something about it? 
And, and right, you know, what right. you brought up about, you know, hormone optimization and all of that is that uh, there was a recent survey that was done that indicated something like 87% of returning veterans were open to alternative therapies because their damn medicine closets are filled with, you know, 18 to 36 right. different medications that they're taking and that, that are just messing them up. It's messing up their, not just their physiology, but, you know, their hormones, the way that their body's responding and reacting. Right. Um, and quite frankly, a giant bureaucracy like the VA can't do it. So, um, you know, one, I think it's, it's really looking at alternative therapies. But two, you know, I think it's, um, you know, one thing that I, I don't know that the general public knows is that it's only one half of 1% of the entire American population serves in the military. And so we're, we're running into a generation of people that are so far removed, they don't even know of that. Right. And so, you know, right. my, my encouragement is, um, you know, get to, get to know your neighbors and find out who these vets are. In my, in my neighborhood, I've got, oh, God, 14, 15 of them. Um, you know, find out who these veterans are and, and help make them a part of your local community, you know. Invite them over to your house. Don't ask them war stories, um, you know, because because <laughs> yeah. they're trying yeah. they're trying to leave. That's what that's what people behind. that's what people that's what people do though, right? How I was mean, it? You know, yeah. like nobody wants, they don't want to relive that, man. And then trust me, when they tell you, no. will you really understand when they tell you some of the stuff? Because then you kind of because you haven't been there, you kind of looking like, wow, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. oh my well, god, I couldn't have done that. I, we obviously you're not a vet. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I may need to come up with like a protocol sheet. You know, like these are the these are like <laughs> right. kind of the do the do's and the don'ts. You know, like I was in a crowd one day, and we're you know there was a bunch of Marine vets who were all hanging around together, and and this guy's like, so how many people did you kill? I'm like, dude, that's that's not that's course, not a cool question, it. man. That is, yeah. don't do that. Um, so, you know, I think it's really helping. It's understanding that, that um, veterans really need to return home. They don't need to go back to um, a war zone and they don't need to relive right. um, those memories unless they're in that supportive community. And, you know, one of the things that we've right. made work at, at Veterans Path is that um, it, it is getting vets outdoors and doing physical activity to get those hormones activated and then yeah. getting them into those group environments, teaching them mindfulness meditation skills. But the thing that it, it really makes us work, if you were to ask any veteran that's been through this, it's the, it's the vet community that they're in that becomes that support net that they needed yeah. when they first got out. And so, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. And every vet when they leave should, um, you know, get a blood workup done, um, get, uh, you know, an evaluation, find out. Well, I mean, it just rules out, on the trauma it just rules out some things, right? If, if the vet has yeah. serious depression, instead of trying to guess where this is emanating from, let's look at the hormonal profile. And let's see that there's no DHEA, there's no pregnenolone, there's no testosterone. I mean, I'll give you an example. I have a friend who, a young lady who served overseas quite a bit in Afghanistan and Iraq, and she came back and I did some blood work for her. She was she's always been kind of moody, but I noticed that she was even more moody this time after this after this last time overseas. And you look at her blood work, and the first page looks pretty good. Her cortisol curve is good, high in the morning, low in the evening. And then you look at the second page, and she has no DHEA, no pregnenolone, no progesterone, no progesterone whatsoever, and that's the building block for cortisol. Wow. So what's happening is she's cannibalizing all of her sex hormones to make cortisol. Cortisol is an essential hormone. If you're not making it, you die. So she's cannibalizing all of her sex hormones, and there's no way you're going to feel good. I always say that I don't, I don't care how much meditation you do or how much counseling you do. If you're hormonally depleted, none of it's going to work. You know, your hormones have way more messages that it, that provoke how you think and feel than the other way around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what we've got to do is we have to focus on wellness. You know, it, I mean, it's a, it's the same way with you know, you, as a, as a veteran, you you get out and you're struggling. The last thing you you need is 
you know, nicotine, alcohol, and drugs in your blood system. Well, that's the on other a recurring basis. Yeah, the yeah. alcohol yeah. alcoholism I've noticed quite a bit with veterans yeah, that I'm either friends with yeah. or associated with. Like I, I know that, the, that actually the same person I'm talking about, she was getting drunk by herself every night. And one thing yeah, I did is just pain, I, I, yeah, because well, I invited her. I, I I kind of fell into what you recommend without realizing it. James is that I just invited her over to the house to work out. She's a workout person, kettlebells, et cetera. I was like, look, why don't you come over to the house, work out with me and some other people a couple times a week. And then you're giving her a healthy outlet. And then usually yeah. we would hang yeah. out as a group afterwards and just chit chat about whatever came up. I wasn't asking her like, you know, what happened over there, you know, or anything like that. But sometimes those kind of right. stories would come up because she was comfortable. So she would bring up things without me trying to provoke yeah. that. But just right. giving her positive outlets was useful. So she's not sitting around at home every night drinking because she has no one to relate to. Right. Yeah. I, I, I have access to, I'm a part of a number of different um, veteran forums on social media that are, you know, private groups and all that. And it, it, the recurring theme that I, I get from veterans is, well, either, um, you know, suicide announcements, just like a cry for help. But the, the second most prominent is um, that saying, Hey, is anyone else out there using alcohol to access their feelings? You know, it's like right, it's, it's like right. the only place that they feel safe is to like numb out, and then they can then they can feel the emotions rather than trying to connect to the emotions in a healthy way. They're doing it in an unhealthy way. And the average person does the same thing. People at the bar exactly. every Friday night, just them. away at the sorrows. Yeah, al- alcohol is never a solution for anything positive. <laughs> you know, no. alcohol no. to me to be a celebratory thing. Like you're getting married, or you're going to a concert, or some big achievement just occurred. You go out, have a couple drinks, have some fun. But it should never be something you gravitate towards when you have sadness or sorrow or depression. Yeah, it is the worst. Yeah. It is the worst psychologist in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and well, you got a problem and you go to alcohol. It's like the diagnosis is always going to suck, dude. It's just like it's well, never going to be great. And it costs about well, the same thing for hours going to a real psychologist. <laughs> you know? Well, and the day, and then, and the then you then you wake up with some chick you don't know, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> then you have new problems. <laughs> <laughs> the or a new child that popped up out of nowhere, just like God, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you saying, James? Go ahead. So, oh no, I was I was just saying, you know, and I think the worst part about it is it's doing it alone. You know, if at least they were with other friends, they're they're do you know that support net. But um, you know, I, I've I've been a person I I just can't drink alone. I almost feel like it's wrong. To me, it's always been a sign of a problem. It's like, dude, I'm getting <laughs> drunk by myself. What the hell does that say right. about me? You know, and trust me, right. there was a period in my life where that happened. You know, I was going through a very bad marriage, and, and I did that. And to the point where I was like, conscious enough, like, dude, you're sitting up here. You're drinking by yourself. And you're not drinking just like, oh, I'm enjoying a cigar or anything like this. Like, I'm trying to get drunk. I am trying to numb the pain. It's just like, why don't you just address the situation? The real situation. Absolutely. That's because yeah. it's, it's still going to be waiting when you sober up. But the only thing is, now you got to deal with the situation with a hangover, which is going to make it even more intense. And you probably want to go drink again or just well, go to sleep. I would take it one step further. One step further is just someone who has to have a couple drinks every night. Even that's a problem, like, in my opinion. Yeah. Forget about people getting drunk. I mean, that's an obvious problem. Yeah. But someone who's like, let me just have a couple glasses of wine at the end of each day, that's a problem. And if they don't think it's a problem, just yeah. tell them to stop for two weeks and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Do it. Well, I got to have my wine. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Have to have your wine? Like, I got to have my wine every night just to go to sleep. And that, that one's always funny to me. It's like, because I'm like, if you really thought about it, alcohol is one of the things that actually keeps you awake at night. It oh, doesn't work you to sleep. sleep. Yeah. 
But come on, you may you may pass out. Yeah, you may pass out, but you're not going to have. That's not sleep. <laughs> anyone, anyone who's ever been on a bender and you pass out, you don't feel good the next day, even if you slept for 12 hours. You're basically in a state of suspended animation. You're not in a deep REM sleep state. Exactly. Yeah. It's like getting yeah. hit with a tranquilizer before bed. Like, hey, man, can you just shoot me one time with that thing? All right, thank you. But then, James, it's alcohol, and then it's yeah. Vicodin, and then it's Valium. You know, it's, it's, it's all a cocktail. Different yeah. Well, yeah, well, exactly. well, I'll tell you what's dangerous. What I'm seeing that's a dangerous trend for a lot of a lot of vets across the country as I'm having these conversations is, um, you know, they go to the VA clinic because like I'll give you a good example. We got this young young guy. He was a Marine uh, during uh, Battle of Ramadi. He gets hit with shrapnel back of his leg, shrapnel in his back. He's got multiple surgeries. So, you know, he separates from the military, gets his honorable discharge. And, um, you know, he goes to the VA clinic. They give him 90 days worth of Vicodin. And the Vicodin ends, he goes back and he's like, I'm in massive fucking pain. Like someone needs to help yeah. me out. And they're like, yeah, you're, you're off that. So, you know, he goes out and he tries a little pot and tries the alcohol and that doesn't work. So the epidemic we're seeing with veterans is heroin use. Yeah. And these guys yeah. are, are hitting the hard stuff because they've got some yeah. nasty things going on that, you know, they're not getting help for. It's often significantly cheaper than Vicodin and often oh more gosh. accessible. And, it, and it's not fast. a new trend. It's, it's not a new trend. It's just been going on since like the Vietnam War. You know, that was like yeah. one of their biggest issues coming back from Vietnam was the heroin use. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell I'm you what, right. like, it's, it's accessibility. Pain. If you're in yeah. enough pain, though, I mean, you will take anything. That's the oh, yeah. You'll right find now. things. How, how do you Come how on. do you manage this pain without using some kind of strong, some strong drug or source? Well, and I, that's where I think a lot of um, a, a lot of the meditative and mindfulness skills that vets are learning are actually helping them to manage manage pain. And then it's you know, it's dealing with the other wellness aspects. You know, the, dealing with right. your hormones, dealing with your diet, dealing with you know fitness, dealing with lifestyle changes. It's, I mean, it's a it's a you've got to take a holistic approach. It's never just kind of a, a one and done kind of thing. It's um, yeah. you know finding that healthy balance again in your life, which for a lot of vets, you know, when they were in the military, they had that. You know, it was PT every day, and you know right. that camaraderie and and lifestyle change was kind of forced on you. And then you get out, and you don't have that anymore. Well, that's why I've noticed some people get institutionalized, where they just keep reserving. You know, they come back from a deployment, yeah, just, they're back home for a month. Yeah, they feel kind of guilty, or they feel out of it, or they don't have that support system. So even though they didn't like it out there, they go right back out. Yeah, it's a hurt locker syndrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's you know, and it, what we're finding too is you know, vets that are just really dissatisfied with their life as a civilian, they want to they want to replicate that. I, I have a couple of friends that they joined motorcycle gangs and just went off the grid because that felt right. more military like than being a civilian. Well, it's such an intense life experience, right? So when you come back to civilian life. It's going to be there's going to be a level of boredom that's there, and you're you're chasing that adrenaline rush. So that if that's not harnessed properly, that can lead to some self destructive tendencies as well. Yeah, well, and that, you know, and actually that lends to something else, Mike, because you were asking, you know, is that that you know one of the things that we can do as a civilian population to help our veterans is that you know they're looking for ways to to serve and have purpose and meaning in their lives. All right, that might be on it. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that that I think happens often is, you know, vets get out and they want to have meaning and purpose in their lives. And yeah. you know, we say to a lot of vets, we're like, hey, thank you for your service. And and it's almost like the, 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 what their their purpose and meaning in life is done. 
And, you know, I think that's what's initiating a lot of these veteran-owned businesses is that vets are, are creating their own purpose and meaning for themselves. But, you know, we as a community can also help helping them continue to get back with their lives. Um, you know, there's a, I'll give a great shout out. Um, there's a, there's an organization, uh, that, uh, I've been, uh, working with that they're an apparel company. It's called Oscar Mike. Uh-huh. And, and it was started by a veteran who, what he wanted to do was just like pay it forward. And so not only is it veteran owned, but it's veteran employed. And so they only hire, uh, wounded veterans. So now these guys are out there, um, they're not only working in a job, but they're paying it forward so that there's a charitable arm to what they do. Right. They need to support, like, other charitable organizations that are also helping veterans. So it's this kind of perpetuation of continuing to give people purpose and meaning in their lives. Yeah. I think, I think that's a... a a good line of thinking as well is encouraging entrepreneurial type activities. In other words, in, in addition to doing lab work and so forth, how about some kind of training to help make that transition so that you're not yeah. just leaving the service and then not knowing what to do next? It goes, hey, have you ever thought about yeah. being an entrepreneur? Take this workshop. We'll give you some ideas. Here's how you start step by step by step. Here's how you take an idea from inception to execution. I think a lot of people need those things. Even even as a college student, I remember when I graduated you just graduate and then you're out in the world and you're like, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> there wasn't any transitional step of, okay, if you, hey, have you ever thought about starting a business? Here's what you do. Have you ever, here's yeah. how you ace a job application. You know, none of that stuff was there. So you're pretty much just thrown out there with a the college degree thinking that that's enough to get you a job. It's like, okay, I have a degree now. I guess someone will hire me for something. And it was a rude yeah. awakening. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, no one well, really cared about your degree. I could have made up a degree at most of these job interviews I went to. No one ever looked into it. No. And, you know, in the, in the military, will tell you when, you know, you're at the recruiter's office, you know, hey, you've got all these amazing transferable skills when you become a civilian again, all these amazing things you're going to learn in the military are going to be applicable. Um, yeah. and, and, and quite frankly, they're not. You know, I mean, it, right. it, you know, right. it, I, I kill people for a living is, is not an applicable civilian <laughs> skill. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the drives, the, the skills that warriors learn, you know, in the military, you know, concentration, discipline, attention, commitment, you know, perseverance, dedication, those are things that are applicable in their civilian lives. And, and I, you know, the, at the end of your service, they usually provide this transitional assistance program that you go through that's supposed okay. to help you acclimate to what civilian life is supposed to be like. But it, it does. It lacks that component of, like, what would be the next step if you, you know, you're used to, like, running and taking that hill, is there a business idea out there that you want to run and, and take over? This is right. how you would go about doing that entrepreneurial endeavor and, and, and being yeah. successful in your own right rather than, you know, stumping around for a job to work for someone else. Yeah, if it's not clearly delineated how to transfer one skill set to another, people aren't going to put it together. I always say that intense weight training teaches you a lot about yourself and how to persevere and so forth, but that's very vague, right? That does That's not specific yeah. on how to take those skill sets to starting a business or whatever else you want to do. It has to be much more right. specific. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you always go back to, you know, the Henry Rollins article on the on the iron, you know, 200 iron, pounds yeah. always 200 pounds, you know. That's right, right. It, it, there's huge lessons there, but they're, you know, they're macro lessons that it's the, it's the micro lesson of like, okay, I've got this really great idea. Now, now what? And you're right. There's no, no class in college or high school on here's how you develop your entrepreneurial idea and move the, you know, move the ball forward on, on how to make it a success. Right. 
I mean, if people really want to do it, they'll take the extra steps to figure it out. But a lot of people are going to fall through the cracks if you just leave it to the, up to them to figure things out. Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah, the problem right there. It's like, oh, well, you know, people, they'll, they'll just figure it out. And no one really yeah, figures out anything. <laughs> yeah, we don't like we don't like pain. And, and when it comes to comp- things being complicated and you can't figure it out, it's painful. And people are like yeah. very like yeah. pain adverse. Like, you know what? You know what's easy? Just going to work for someone. Someone because there's no pain in that other than just kind of suffering and having to deal with some jackass. Oh, that's pain. But it's kind of like the it's kind of like the people that pack Benadryl in their purse every day. It, that pain has become so normalized <laughs> that you don't even think about it twice. But you know, so they have enough of that pain to start trying to introduce a new pain of trying to figure things out well, on their own well, to be on their own. People working, at, people working at the post office, they look like and there's some serious pain, you know, pain of boredom. <laughs> they look sedated. They don't even look like they're in pain. They look like they've been sedated already. It's just like they're just kind of yeah. waiting for. You well, know, they're waiting for the end. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so. one of the things I can say about about our veterans in, in particular is that they are definitely not pain averse. And, right. it, you know, if, right. it, if, it, if it, and it's, I think it's that kind of drive that has made a lot of these, you know, veteran organizations and companies a success. I mean, look what, yeah. you know, Wes Whitlock has done with, you know, Rogue American. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's just tearing it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you give these guys a bone and they, they can run with it. We've just got to create some opportunities for them to be able to do that. Now, you went through a retreat with the organization you're affiliated with now and you had some breakthroughs. Is that something you can share? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, and, and I'd be happy to share some of it. Um, you know, one of the things I, I found when I got out is I was intensely angry, not all the time. I just have like these outbursts. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes they were aimed at my kids, sometimes they were aimed at my wife, sometimes they were just aimed at nothing. I'd just be pissed. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out why. There was no logical reason behind it. So I got out on this retreat and, um, you know, we, we started out with, just some very kind of probing questions to go through as a group and, and then doing some, you know, really strong sort of meditation focused breathing exercises, really trying to connect to like what, what's going on behind this. And then we broke up in small groups and um, with other veterans and we just started just kind of dialoguing. So the, the organization like gave us some discussion questions, like here's some things you guys could prompt each other with. No one was like prying but just, you know, what's going on. And one of the things I, I discovered, I just had this huge breakthrough was, you know, I'd, I'd been through a period in my, um, in my military career where I was dealing with just an intense amount of shame and guilt. And, and I had been carrying that stuff at a really, really deep level. And it wasn't something I could sit down and talk to civilians about. It wasn't something, you know, you could go write a, you know, a cathartic article about or a book. Um, and I, I just had this emotional breakdown. You know, it's like this wall finally came down. And I realized, like, oh, that's what all that emotion is tied up in. And um, and so the rest of the week, you know, I, I worked with the facilitators and and some of the other vets to just kind of figure out some skills I could begin working through some of that stuff uh, and begin the process of healing in my life and seeing those area areas mend. And it was it, it was amazing. I came back and Athena was like, "You are just so unbelievably zen right now. Like I've just never seen you this way." Um, and, and it was, it was due to just being able to surface and access those emotions. Well, I would say people are sleeper cells walking around, right? They have traumas they've been through that have been repressed and those repressed experiences affect your behavior on a daily basis, whether you're aware of it or not. And once you're aware of it, you start understanding, okay, this is why I'm acting this way. Now you can do something about it. But if you're not even aware of it, that's a, that's a, that's a real problem. Because like you said, James, you don't know why you're having this anger or this irritation or these outbursts. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was concerned like it was, it, you know, that there was something like seriously. I, I mean, I remember referring to myself as like broken. You know, it's like I, I just felt like something wasn't right. The, the engine wasn't functioning in the right way. And, you know, once you're able to connect to like the, the dots start connecting these events, these things, these emotions, these things, then down and it became a ticking time bomb. Like you said, like, you, you know, you, you're walking around just waiting to go off. And I, I think a lot of vets are carrying around a lot of those heavy burdens that they don't know what to do with. And they don't have a name for it. They don't know what it is. You know, right. I, you know, they feel like I'm just angry, but um, you know, what is it that people say? Like anger is simply um, depre- repressed depression, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, what's really going on, how do we help vets to be able to access those healings, um, be able to recognize what's going on and, and then start the process of working through it and healing. Yeah, and some in a weird way, training can help with that because when you work out really hard, a lot of these things start coming out too. Just like a lot of massage therapists have said that they've had people start crying on their table because you're working through people, and there's all of a sudden yeah. these traumas start surfacing up. So physical training can sometimes help with bringing those things to the surface. Absolutely, absolutely, and and, and you know a lot of the work that you're doing, Mike. I mean, you know, helping helping people to optimize themselves hormonally it also helps them to be able to access it. You know, like um, I think, you know, we've had discussions before about, you know, people that yeah. have, you know, men in particular with low testosterone levels that are dealing with all kinds of rage, bringing right. the testosterone levels up all of a sudden they're like, Oh wow, I feel, I feel pretty normal. I can now access the feelings as to what I can rationally work through the things that have made me angry rather than having a right. response to it. Yeah, it's not going to get rid of the underlying problem, but it gives you the tools to yeah. deal with it more effectively. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good start. I mean, I can speak for experience just 24 hours ago. It was just something that was very frustrating that I pretty much been dealing with. Just It's one of those things where you're just like, like, dude, like, why is this so frustrating? And like, you know, you know, what's the what, you know, you're constantly trying, especially people like us who are like who are really, you know, you can really get inside your head and you start coming up with all these solutions. That becomes even more frustrating. And and to the point where but I'm telling you, yesterday, I just kind of, you know, Mike and I were talking last week about just like pretty much modifying German volume training. We were talking about that on the premium episode last week. And for some reason, it's just like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just dip into this. 10 sets of three with just deadlifts, you know, for like 60% of my one rep max. And, you know, like going into the gym yesterday, I was just, dude, I, I just, just feeling a little bit numb and a little perplexed. You know, it happens. I don't care what anybody, anybody can listen to us all the time. Don't think that we don't have our off days, you know, but the thing mm-hmm. is, it's all about how you deal with them. We don't, my thing is, I don't like to let those off days be plural. I like a, an off day. You know, because I'm yeah. the type of person, I don't want to deal with this tomorrow. So let me just start working on this now. So by the time I finished that, that program, that training set, man, I, and that was my way back home. I felt relief. And and once I got home, I addressed the situation. I had the solution. And it just felt like there was this 600-pound gorilla that was just off my back and off my chest. You know, just all that just because I got that release. Now, trust me, you know, here's the thing. It's an ongoing process. Don't think that, okay, every time I have an issue, I need to go work out. I need to go work out. Like, no, man, that, that's like, like Michael was saying, that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah. See, but see, one I, thing about I, it, my testosterone was ramped up and my, my thinking, you know, became a lot more, it became sharpened at that point, it became laser focused because I just did something for 10 sets where I needed to be very razor sharp and focused with my thinking. So that kind of just led the way it inspired what I needed to do once I left that gym because you can't have your mind all over the place when you're doing deadlifts if you're going to do it right. Yeah. You know, so well, I mean, your brain, your brain chemistry was likely optimized too, because you went in there with oh, yeah. a goal, you achieved it, so you're now you have a dopamine response. 
you, know, you had an yeah. you have an acetylcholine response, so your brain chemistry is more tuned in now as well, so you feel more focused, and that also that allows. Also, you got rid of a lot of the nervous anxiety energy too, which often mitigates the ability to handle any problem. That you you can just yeah. get drowned in that anxiety state. So you get that's where physical training just helps you crush the anxiety, and now your brain is free to think of a solution. Yeah. yeah. I think for 15 years, I was I was addicted to working out as the only coping mechanism I had. Right. So, you know, I'd go in and I would I would just, you know, pound my body and leave exhausted, but still, you know, all the crap still going on inside. You still have the same problems, same issues you have to face, same emotions, but you're not accessing them. You know, so I, I, I think there's this place where you've got to find like, I, you know, what sincere was going in with a goal. Like, here's what I'm going to do. Go in. It's it's structured. It's constructed, and and then it helps to kind of rebalance things. I I was using it literally as like my own coping mechanism instead of you know drugs or alcohol. It, it was, well, that's yeah, very common. That. That's yeah. very common in the yeah. fitness industry. We know. Oh a lot yeah, of people, man. We know yeah. so many people. We know, like we know that. people who have four gym memberships and they work out seven <laughs> days a week. I mean, come on. <laughs> for two hours yeah. a day, three hours a day. Like, they only play. Yeah, no, you, guys, you guys have a nickname for these guys or? To my yeah, to my they're just addict. just like a drug addict. They're a gym addict. To my to my yeah, I have a I have a I have something for them. It's just like yeah, denial. That's the word I have for them. Like because you're denying the real issue. <laughs> to my, that's what that is. Like well, guess what? Just like with alcohol getting drunk, when you sober up, that problem's still sitting there looking you right in your face when you sober. When you get out of that bed, that problem's looking at you like, hey, drunk ass, I'm glad you woke up. I'm still here. You got to deal with me sooner or later. <laughs> so now guess Absolutely. what? When people go and work out for two or three hours. When you walk out of that gym into that parking lot. That problem sitting in the car waiting for you. It kept the car running for you. Like, hey, we're yeah. just ready to ride back home because I'm still here, dude. So you're gonna have to face me yeah. sooner or later. That's all that is. It's just well, denial. The problem, the problem with working, the problem with trying to make work out, working out a solution to everything is that you have a tendency to overdo it, and now it's counterproductive, where you're yeah. not optimizing your hormonal profile, you're depleting it. I mean, at a certain point. Intense workouts depletes your hormones anyway, so that's why you have to have more restorative measures, massage, deep sleep, etc. It starts becoming something where if you don't balance the recovery, a part of the equation, you're actually doing more damage than good. And it's it's one of the worst kept secrets. It's probably not even the worst kept secret. It's more common now. Is a lot of people who look like they're really fit and train very intensely often have sexual dysfunctions. A lot of guys have ED who work out really hard all the time because they're, they're actually depleting their testosterone. They're in this constant inflammatory state. They're in this constant adrenaline state. So it's, it's easy huh. to, I mean, training has to be very precise, like medicine, right? You don't just randomly take a, even, even with supplements, you want to have the precise dose for effectiveness. You don't just right. grab a handful of testosterone booster pills and hope for the best. You know, you want to know exactly what the precise dose for your body weight for you, whatever is optimal. Training is the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd agree. So like Mike was saying that, that you know, you also got to add in, you know, restorative measures as well, and such as massage and, you know, meditation. James, I, I know, especially when guys come from, a lot of the vets are coming from intense situations, man, and there's that adrenaline rush. And a lot of times, even just civilians, when you bring up something like meditation or yoga, civilians are like, oh, I can't meditate. I just, I just can't just sit there and be quiet. It's just, or, or yoga is like, that's just too, that's just too soft for me. You know, so you have guys like the vets who are coming back who have been in intense situations. Like, how receptive are they in the beginning when you bring, you know, when you guys bring up programs such as meditation to, you know, really help yeah. them just sit and be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, often they're not. And it's a reason that we came up with the program structure that we came up with. Um, when the organization was started, it was started by um, two women 
Uh, one is actually a, a Buddhist priest, and the other has been in the sort of mindfulness sensory awareness world since the 1970s. Um, and when they started this, they thought, you know, if we could give this sort of this gift of, of mindfulness skills to veterans, you know, we could help to improve their overall wellness and their ability to access emotions. And so they did this thing where they invited a bunch of veterans to come and do this, and nobody wanted to do it. And, um, and so finally a veteran told them like, Hey, if, you know, like, why don't we do something cool? And so they, they decided let's go rock climbing. They got a bunch of vets to show up. They all went rock climbing, got it, you know, physically active. And what it did is it started activating all of and helping them to access a lot of the hormones and feelings, emotions, things that are going on in their body that then they could actually sit still long enough to actually learn some of these skills. And, and once they start to do it, particularly we have um, veteran leaders that will, will do it where, you know, it's, it's one vet talking to another vet. Um, those guided meditations are, are usually pretty powerful. And veterans realize, like, I'm, I'm accessing something here that I've never been able to tap into before. And right. so there's more and more openness after kind of that, that initial bump of getting them to actually sit down long enough to, to try it, start. Honestly, it's like uh, it's like training a puppy. I mean, we're fostering this little girl right now, this little, little puppy, and she, she is yeah. you know, trying to teach her commands is difficult unless she's tired because she's in this this she's a so yeah. she's so energetic she's in this constant ADD Activated. state, right? But but, yeah. but yeah. you go run her out. So I take her to the park, I run her out, right? Just exhaust her, bring her back to the house. Then you start teaching her commands and so forth, and she's very receptive. She's very smart. She picks up on it easily. You just have to you just have to work out all of that anxiety energy, all that adrenaline energy, and then it's kind of like uh, it's, it's a weird hey, analogy. He, yeah, man, he just spoke parent one on one, right, James? <laughs> yeah, that's something exactly. we learned as parents yeah. early off. It's just like, hey, man, let them run it out, and then well, I mean, it's also then it's uh, pretty much they have no choice but to pay attention or go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you ever watch Twenty Four? Yeah. It's also torture one on one, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You make, you, make so, you make someone really tired, and you, you deprive them from food and sleep and so forth. You start becoming more susceptible to the power of. Suggestion, you know? <laughs> the Jack Bauer syndrome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. season six. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Bauer, Jack Bauer therapy. That's what we need. JBT man. Exactly. Yeah. So it, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, that's and that's you know, there's a lot of organizations. You know, they're, they're taking vets out and they do a lot of fun stuff and, and physical activity. But there's there's got to be something that's transferable afterwards to help these vets yeah. in the process of healing. And and so it's you know, it's like one part of the picture. Um, this, this meditation. Otherwise, it's like going to a Tony Robbins event, right? You go there for a couple of days, you're all heightened up, you're hugging strangers, you come out of there feeling like uh, kumbaya, you're ready to sing kumbaya for the rest of your life. Then <laughs> you get back to wherever, then you, you get back to wherever you came from. You're like, oh shit, same the same problems I, I, I had before. I went around a bunch of assholes. Right. I still hate my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just that that's not that's not real life. Like the way people are at that event, that's not. That's not even how they are every day. You know, they're just no. they're just in a narcotic state because Tony's a master hypnotist. He puts people into these yeah. weird. States. He has guys roaring like lions. You know, that's how good he is at manipulating people at these events. <laughs> but a lot of people want to be manipulated, especially people who go to these events. So they go there like, yeah. great, this guy, this cult like figure is going to manipulate me for three days because I can just hand over all responsibility and power to him. But then oh, what the fuck yeah. are you going to do once you leave? You're not going to do anything. How yeah. fitting How fitting that you say that on election day. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and, and, and veterans don't, they don't want a bunch of bullshit. You know, they don't right. want something that's going to be fake and fake and, and temporary. They, they really, they, they've kind of had it and they, they need something that's accessible, that's tangible. So it's, it's creating that, that combination of get out, physical, 
get activated, but then it's, you know, bringing it down to are there, are there real skills? And then it's taking those skills and then going, how do we connect you to a supportive veteran community so that when, when shit's gone wrong on Monday, that wasn't, that, that was just awesome on Friday, you've got a group of people that can help to support and reinforce right. the skills that you've learned so that you can, you know, move the ball. No doubt. It, accountability is really important no matter what the context is. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so there's so little of it. I mean, I'm sure you get people all the time that, you know, want to come to you and they, they just want to get ripped. And, you know, it's like that that's that, that's like <laughs> one aspect of the journey and without some level of accountability for, you know, what goes in their body, when they go to sleep, how they live their lives. And, 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 then, and then the real tangible. then the real question is, why do you want to get ripped? Is are you is this something you're actually motivated by, or did exactly. you just go see the latest Thor movie? And thought it might, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> or you saw you saw like, Tom Hardy and you heard some chicks talking about how hot he was. You're like, well, hell, exactly. If I get a body like him, you know, if I start getting built like Bane, then men, chicks will start digging me too. Like, no, dude, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not going to be that simple for you. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, like with well, training, with, with training, it has to be. When I, it's always laughable when someone wants you to give them their goals. It's like, no, you need to come up with your own goals that are important to you, because otherwise, you're not going to stay the course. I yeah. mean, everyone should have, and anyone who works out hard who's been doing it for a long time, you have your own goals that are important to you. Someone else may think they're trivial, and that's fine, but to you, they're important, and that's what allows you to stay the course and and focus yeah. on that destination. Yeah, yeah truth. Truth. Now, now, one of my goals was to have predator-like locks, like sincere, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, then, then you're going to look like John Travolta in uh, Battlefield Earth, so it might not be. Oh gosh, man! Oh gosh, bad vision. Oh, that's a, bad that's vision. an image I'm not going to be able to get out of my head. I know, I can't, so bad. I can't unsee that in my head right now. <laughs> not, not too many, not, not too many white guys can rock the dreadlocks. You know, if you're like the guy. The guys in corner do it. They got it. Yeah, Rob yeah, Zombie's yeah. available, but it's not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sincere, man, that just that just wrecked it, brother. I'm, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I almost really want to cut mine off right now. Just, like, <laughs> just so I don't inspire another dude like him to want to grow them out. But well, we, we know we know what sincere is going to look like when he's sixty. Can, can, King Ezekiel in The Walking Dead. Anyone who watches that show. You know? <laughs> As per the as per the post that Mike and, and Prince posted on Twitter the other day, <laughs> and it's funny. Hold on, it was so funny. I showed my wife that, and she started cracking up. She's like, "Oh my god!" Mike hit it right, like right on the head. I was like, "Okay, don't 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 encourage him." <laughs> like posture, like you're sitting on this throw with the cane in your head. I was like, "Yeah, I can see some sincere doing post like James Earl Jones." Oh my God, that's perfect. <laughs> so, so James, the the real question is like, so are you guys still involved with Hope for Justice, or was Athena taking over from that position? That now yeah. that you moved to Bath. That's a great question. Yeah. So, so Athena is continuing to work at Hope for Justice. She's still managing the same programs. Um, you know, we've been hiring some new folks. So that that program continues. We've got you know 128 some odd uh, employees at Hope for Justice now. Um, you know they're expanding the work that they're doing. They're looking at you know other countries that they can begin helping helping victims in. So they're continuing to do good work. Um, <clears throat> they're just doing it with without me, and I, I actually am continuing to sort of advise um, where I can and help the organization uh, from the sidelines. But, you know, my focus now is, is really getting, um, you know, veterans path off the, off the ground and um, get it up and functioning the way it should be. 
Now here's here's a here's an interesting question just popped up in the mind right now because I'm thinking yeah. you know I know you probably uh, heard the episode we did with Ty Ritter uh, a couple of months back, so you know mm-hmm. and, and now I'm seeing this opportunity. I'm like I'm, I see you know your experience from Hope for Justice and now you're working with vets and just like you ever thought about some type of crossover with that you know where you know there's an opportunity where you know some of these vets can even help with that as far as helping with you know with sex mm-hmm. trafficking and just pretty much like. Same thing that Ty is doing with his organization with Project Child Save. Yeah, there's there's actually a number of organizations out there that you know a lot of um, you know uh, veterans that have come back and and have those skill sets to be able to do that. Um, Operation Underground Railroad um, does a lot of work with um, ex special ops guys. Um, mm-hmm. I know uh, Ty's organization's doing good stuff. Um, there's probably seven or eight out there, and I I'm just I'm drawing a blank on a number of them, but. Um, there are opportunities, you know, there's, uh, things like, um, you know, mission continues that, that, uh, takes vets and puts them into some really cool, um, opportunities. Um, Operation Rubicon, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're yeah. taking, um, you know, v- returning vets and, um, you know, helping them to engage in a, a lot of like logistical operations and getting emergency supplies to, you know, international locations and that kind of stuff, doing disaster relief work. Um, you know, so I think there's, there's lots of opportunities. I have not thought about doing it only because there's just such a, a high demand and a high need, uh, to yeah. be in sort of the healing aspect of things that that's kind of where we're going to remain focused is, um, you know, growing these programs out to, you know, we're, we're going to be, uh, expanding to Tennessee this next year. Um, you know, we're looking at places like Colorado and Texas as, as some of our. Yeah, I was going to ask you about um, Texas as well because, you know, it's very, you know, there's a very large veterans presence here, you yeah. know, with Colleen and San Antonio, you know, the Air Force Base out there. And, you know, yeah. definitely there will be great opportunities right here in Texas for that. Yeah, we have a, a retired Army colonel that is actually on our board of directors that's in San Antonio. Um, and so, you know, she's got enormous connections, um, you know, inside the veteran community and military community there. So, it, right now, we're in sort of these ongoing conversations about where we can be most useful, and it's really looking at where the most uh, density of veterans are. You know, so like in the state of Tennessee, we've got something like 275,000 veterans. Wow. And so, you know, there's just tremendous need. Texas is a big one. Colorado is another one with the uh, uh, Air Force Academy and the number of military bases that are there. Um, yeah. So this next year, we'll be expanding to Tennessee, and then and then we'll be looking at 2018 as sort of a national expansion time for us to be looking at, um, you know, other states. So, I'll, you know, I'll definitely keep you guys in the loop on, on you know, where we decide to go next. Perfect, man. <clears throat> Sounds really good. Yep. How, long have you, how long have you been doing this, James? Um, this is my third month. Okay. So this is really new for you. This is, this is super new. I, I came in, I'm, I'm the first official executive director for the organization. They, um, they, were, they were functioning under... Uh, fiscal sponsorship since in 2015 it became a 501c3. So, I mean, I'm basically getting the the infrastructure for the organization launched. And so, the first 90 days. What, what were we joking about about the election? The first hundred, the first hundred days. Um, but my first hundred days has been just a freaking whirlwind of stuff flying at me. Um, yeah, I but, bet. You know, now it's all coming together and starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, seems like. Seems I remember like when you posted it. But yeah, go ahead, sincere. No, I was saying I remember when you um you actually when you posted it on I think I saw it when you first posted it on Instagram, but then on Facebook and you know and then I saw that and I reposted it and but what's crazy is like from the day you posted it, it seems like you hit the hit the ground running. It's just like 
Yeah, it's not just like, oh, I'm at this new position, you know, you know, with this organization. It's more like, hey, man, I'm doing a lot of stuff right now. And by the way, I'm here now. <laughs> you know, but I can't talk to you right now. I got a lot of stuff to do. You know, we can talk about it later. I got, I'm, I'm working right now. So it was kind of like, it was like a drive-by posting. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that goes it, it, it felt like a, a drive-by posting. It was. Well, I mean, that's a good sign. That's a good sign you're actually doing something because, I mean, there's a correlation between spending a lot of time on social media and getting nothing useful done. Right. Yeah, I, I'm relying right now. I'm relying on volunteers to help me with social media stuff because I, I just don't. I don't have the bandwidth. Um, you're absolutely right. Like I've, I've got to be out meeting with, you know, potential donors, key key donors, stakeholders, veterans. Veterans service organizations really getting my getting my feet wet on you know what the best way to put this organization in the best possible position could be. Seems like there would be a lot of synergy between you and Warrior Angels, Andrew Marr and Dr. Mark Gordon's organization. Absolutely, much, I'd love to be linked with them. Yeah, we can we can we can link you to them. Yeah, we'll link hey, you. We can link yeah. you to them. I'm actually I'm actually meeting up with Dr. Mark Gordon later this month out here, so I'll bring it up as well. But it, there definitely seems you guys are both targeting the same outcome, just different mechanisms. So it seems like Well and I, I think they complement each other. Yeah, I, no I, doubt. I, I think no doubt. Yeah. We, we can do it together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of one of the things that I'm finding and loving, you know, um, is that, you know, in the charitable world a lot of times you're you're out competing. You know, it's right. you know, we're we're doing water water stuff and they're doing water stuff and we're competing. And as I've been having conversations with veterans organizations, um, everyone's like, you know, shit, there's too big a need. We need to do this like we did in the military together. Right. And um, and so there's a lot of camaraderie and coming coming alongside each other and figuring out ways to, to develop that synergy. And so, you know, I, I'd say listening to us today, if you know of another agency that's helping veterans, like get them in touch with me because I'll reach out in a heartbeat and figure out, you know, how we can help their vets and they can help ours and we can figure out how to, you know, bring some healing to these, you know, men and women together. We don't need to be a warrior, warrior angels. One of the things warrior angels is trying to do is make it a standard where every soldier coming back does go through an intense protocol, looking at their hormones, their endocrinology, et cetera, neurotransmitter balance. You know, they want that to be a standard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it should be. And, yeah, you know, the, the work that they're doing as well, you know, just with developing protocols for that, I think is complementary to the work that we're doing because they, they get their hormones straight. Then we can start working through some of the, you know, the more outlying emotional issues and help them develop those coping skills they're going to need down down the road that are going to be, you know, more long lasting. Get them involved in a ongoing community that will continue to support them as they, you know, transition into their civilian lives. Yeah, yeah. I know you want to expand to Texas, and you know, I know Andrew, you know, Warriors is right here in Texas as well. So that's a good, okay. probably another good point person because you know yeah. one thing about our state is very big. So I know you have a connection to San Antonio, which is quite a distance from Dallas as well. So you can pretty much have those connections from top and bottom of, of Texas. So yeah, yeah. Man. yeah well, when we've had the the, the fortunate um, opportunity to actually serve some vets from from Texas, so we actually had mm -hmm. um, one from Austin that was out at a recent. Um, event. We've had some others from, uh, you know, San Antonio. So, um, you know, we're already serving vets in other areas. We've just got to start bringing programs to them locally so that they don't have yeah. to fly out to the California Bay Area to, to get those right. um, programs. Definitely. Yeah, I guess that's the other challenge is just pr proliferating all of these different strategies so they're accessible to as many people as yeah. possible. Yeah, well, scaling scaling strategy is really you know what it's all about. I think it was one of the reasons that you know I, I appealed to this organization is you know we've um, you know we've had the opportunity 
you know, working, you know, in Cambodia to take the programs we were doing there and scale those out to, mm-hmm. you know, other countries mm-hmm. is that you know, now we've got to start thinking about, you know, how do you make those programs accessible? How do you scale? Um, you know, how do you, you know, stay, you know, relevant without expanding your, you know, your supply and program lines to something you can't support? Um, and I think a lot of it really has to do with, with starting to lean on, you know, other agencies. There's um, there's a vet agency in Kansas City, Missouri that I'm, I'm trying to link up with because they're providing some really phenomenal services. We just got to link arms and figure out how to send some of our vets over there and get, you know, some of the vets that they're trying to serve out here into programs that we're doing. So it's it's just finding those synergies, I think, that, that are, are going to be critical, you know, in the near future. Yeah, this, this is totally off topic, but in Vegas, you see a lot of stupid behavior, right? And I was just remembering, this is like maybe this is years ago, I was walking by a bar, and there was there was some young ladies there who were just came back from overseas. I don't know if they were still in the service or not, but there, some some guys were trying to chat them up. And all, all I remember overhearing is one guy saying, you know, I'd really love to give back to the troops. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, it was like, that was like his opening line or something like that. I didn't even have to turn and see the eye roll. I could feel it from the, you know, from like, you know what? You keep, you keep you and your little small range missile to yourself, buddy. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, so there you go, ladies. You can use that one on some jackass when it comes to you like that. <laughs> yeah, but one thing one thing Warrior Angels has has brought to light is how much PTSD is not necessarily related to experiencing traumatic events, but because of head concussions. So you have the you have yeah. the head concussions, and now your your growth hormone and your testosterone and other neurotransmitters are just completely shut off. So you have to replace not just testosterone, but everything else that's depleted. And then when you create that hormonal orchestra working again, all of a sudden, everything else falls in the line. You know, that was Andrew's yeah. experience. Andrew was an alcoholic. He was, he's a special forces, former special forces guy. He came back. He was, the last deployment he came back, all of a sudden, it wasn't the same as the ones previously to that, where he adapted fairly quickly back to civilian life. So he was drinking yeah. a lot. He was an alcoholic. It wasn't until he went to Dr. Mark Gordon, got everything optimized, that all of a sudden he said, like the first testosterone shot he got, immediately he felt better. Yeah. Well, now there is another aspect too to, to I think PTSD that that's are dealing with, and it's around the issue of moral injury, and Mm -hmm. that's something that we see a a lot of. Is you know that's coming back that you know they can they have conflicted with their own you know, sort of moral standing, the things that they believe, the way that the world's right. supposed to work, their sort of moral right. stature, and then they violate yeah. that, come back, and <clears throat> they're living with a tremendous amount of guilt and shame that they can't access. They, they can't quite rationalize, like, what happened versus what they believe and or their sort of moral structure in the world. Right. <clears throat> right. Exactly. So that's a much bigger challenge. I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to say that every example of PTSD is because of head concussions, of course. That's just one yeah. factor that's not always looked at. I think yeah. just optimizing the hormone or profile would give someone the tools to help deal with those things, but obviously it's not a 100% solution for that either. It's much more complex yeah. than that. Well, I think but, but, but if you're in a hormonal state and you have that issue, yeah. then you're just running on nothing. You know, that candle is burned exactly. on both ends. There's, there's nothing to work with. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a symbiotic relationship. I mean, I, I think we've got to start okay. looking at people as a as a whole person and figuring out like how do we how do we work on people at all of those levels and being open to 
this idea of these alternative therapies rather than just doping up our troops and hoping that, you know, the problem goes away because that's that's obviously not working. Well, I mean, it's emblematic to larger society as well because the average person does the same thing. You're depressed. You go to the doctor. You leave with several medications. Underlying cause is never addressed. And then you just you're just in this self-medicated state, literally, for however long you're on these medications, potentially the rest of your life. Yeah. And, you know, and what we're seeing is, you know, that when we get veterans, they'll, they'll come through these veteran path programs is that, you know, we had one gal, she was on 36 medications. Now she's down to three. Wow. You know, we've wow. got another vet. He was on 18 medications and, you know, he's slowly weaning himself off of these, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're chemicals. I mean, they're just toxic what is, chemicals. What exactly? In the body. What exactly were the 18 medications? Just out of curiosity, exactly. <laughs> because I mean, oh my you know, so so he has one. It's like going to a bar and getting um, eight, like 18 different brands of scotch and vodka just to get drunk. It's just like, dude, right? <laughs> like, no, so so he's got one for anxiety, one for depression, um, one for the the PTSD, which I don't know what what they had him on for that. He's got one for IBS. He's got one to deal with constipation. He's got one to deal with, you know, like which some is kind caused of by the other medications. Yeah. Well, that well, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, yeah. when yeah. you start giving people these massive cocktails like that, you have no idea what. I mean, I, I, I well, give so it to our doctors. One drug, you have to take another one to address the side effects of the first drug. The side effects. The second, the second one may have side right. effects. Now you got to take a third one to address that, and it just goes on and on. It's a domino effect, and that's I think. You know, we've got really bright doctors, but there's no way that you can manage the, the potential side effects or impact of anything beyond, uh, you know, a, a couple few medications interactions. I mean, statins are a good example, right? Statins shut off your sex hormone production. So you take a statin, it lowers, it drives down your cholesterol, but now you have no sex drive whatsoever. And then it starts affecting your brain. Now you have no memory. You start having memory loss. Yeah. So, I mean, the obvious thing yeah. would be to get off statin, but then they'll say, well, okay, well, we'll give you... Viagra to address the sexual dysfunction. And then now we're going to give you something. We'll give you Deprinil to address the brain issues. <laughs> but I mean, you only have the secondary issues because of the primary drug you're on. Yeah, yeah. You know, every time I talk to you, Mike, I always feel like you know when, when you're in college and you take that psychology course, like you are, you start thinking like I'm schizophrenic. I, I must be, you know, depressed. I must. Every time you start talking about hormones, man, I'm going like my my shit's got to be all out of balance. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone's I mean, everyone's really are, and even when you get in the balance, keeping it in balance is a challenge. It's, right, it's always a challenge. A, you're always tinkering with it, right? It's never something where you go, okay, cool, I got it dialed in. It's like, yeah, you do have it dialed in right now, but how do you sustain that? Because your body mm-hmm. chemistry is constantly changing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that's, that's and, you know, you, you talk about sort of a, a volatile playing field, you know, and, and trying to optimize, you know, a, a, a veteran's um, hormones is, you know, which state are you trying to balance? The one that's that's agitated, the one that's at sort of yeah. homeostasis. You're right. Um, it's pretty challenging. But it's amazing that when someone is it's amazing that it's not medical malpractice when a patient is leaving with 36 medications. <laughs> yeah. I mean that should be that should yeah. be concerning to the physician. They should be thinking, "Wow, I just had this guy or or young lady leave with thirty six medications." Like, don't you think that's a problem? This, and Dr. 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 one issue, and I just gave him enough drugs to handle thirty six different issues. <laughs> so, and guess what? Yeah. And that's, it's going to end up producing thirty five more issues to that one that the guy came in with. No, a lot of these well, doctors always yeah, talk about you know, people take a lot of supplements or like, oh, these people are taking all these supplements. These <laughs> I know. 
It's like, yeah, those are supplements. Though. You're, you're recommending 36 medications to someone which have way more harsh side effects. Yeah. Well, and, you know, imagine trying to juggle that. You know, so as a veteran, you're coming back, you're, you've got enough things you're dealing with, and now you've got to figure out the timing of that, taking these 36 medications. You know, That's going to cause anxiety right there. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. I, I have anxiety just thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah. So imagine, like, with vets and also the elderly as well. Like, okay, they're pretty much – their brain is pretty much is already deteriorating or whatever with age, probably because of all these conditions. Now you want them to keep up with all their different medications. And I'm sorry, there are only so many alerts you can put on your freaking phone before you just start getting a little confused. It's like <laughs> the alarm is going off every five every five minutes. You spent the last hour yeah. just hitting you know the dismiss button and taking a pill. It's like wow, man, you don't have a life. I mean, you, you can't you can't possibly know how the interaction of all of these different medications is going to affect oh, your yeah, life. Man. You can't possibly no, know. No. No, I, I mean, I, I remember having completely nullified by the other things you're taking. Oh, yeah. I, I remember having surgery, you know, God, 20 years ago. And, you know, I had a couple of medications and it, one would give me dry mouth and, you know, the other one would give me massive headaches. And then you took them together and it created this combination of crap where you just, your whole body just felt like it was all tightened up and just a yeah. mess. Yeah. So, you know, imagine having to do that with, you know, multiple medications every single day just to try to, you know, manage and access some sense of well-being and health. Yeah, I mean, improving diet obviously would be another thing to work with as soldiers. Like, okay, here's your hormonal profile. Here's some supplements and other protocols that can help. And here's here's how we're going to revamp your nutrition protocol. Yeah. 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 Leaving, I, I, I guarantee you, these soldiers who left for 36 medications, I doubt there was even one minute spent on what their diet is like and sleep, et cetera. Exactly. Oh yeah, it, you know, just and, so much easier to prescribe. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and food, are, food is chemicals are putting in our body too. So you know, how do yeah, those exactly. interact with the medications <laughs> they're taking? You know, um, you know, can you take, can you, can you drink milk? Can you have, you know, yogurt? Should you be eating red meat? All those kinds of interactions, no one's, no one's really talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Like how's it interacting yeah. with that drug? And you know, so it's, mm-hmm. man, it's just, it's just nonstop. You just basically you are just a walking version of the periodic table of elements. yeah yeah absolutely and then who knows who knows what the long-term consequences of being on that many many medications are Uh, well i i mean i think we're finding out and i I think when you know vets are feeling desperate enough to um you know take their own lives um you know we're, we're we're reaching kind of a fever pitch where we need to start looking at some alternative ways of doing things well, that's one of the crazy side effects of some antidepressants. They say may increase yeah. thoughts of suicide. Suicidal thoughts. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that the point of me taking this so I don't have these thoughts of suicide? It's just like, it's just like taking a supplement may, so I may increase your desire to want to get fat. It's just like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> so my, oh, I'm taking, a, I'm taking Viagra, so I may increase erectile dysfunction. Like, why the hell am I popping this damn pill then? Okay. <laughs> You say Viagra, you may have you may have diarrhea, so you have to make a decision. It's like, is this girl worth it to the point where I'm going to be on the camel? <laughs> I may be blind. Or I may be blind for a while too. So, so you got to start weighing the pros and cons. You know? <laughs> so so wrong, so wrong. <laughs> like man, I had a great Woody, but boy, but man, every roll, roll of, every roll of toilet paper in the house afterwards. <laughs> well, pretty much, you end up being a minute man anyway because by the time you get started, you got to go to the bathroom, so you got to cut it off, man. It's like, oh, right, I'll be right back. <laughs> <God. laughs> nice. Oh, oh man. But but the anti 
suppressed, those ones are those ones are really disconcerting. But but all of the different side effects of each one are are pretty disconcerting as well. So, all right, take this to address whatever the syndrome is. But these are the other problems that you don't have right now that all of a sudden you're going to have. Yeah, he's like, wait a minute, yeah. you didn't have that at first. Well, now you do. So now there's a possibility that you probably will. But we got a pill for that too, so don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, well, and somebody, I, somebody you know, had an app for that. <laughs> we got a pill for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what's causing you know enough frustration in the veteran community that they're saying, "Hey, I'm I'm open to alternatives. You know, let let, let me try some you know meditation. Let me you know you know try some you know hormonal optimization type stuff. Um, you know, I think the the kind of the old deal of I'll just go to the VA hospital and take what they give me, um, you know, it isn't working out. It's not a, not been a long-term solution. And we've got enough evidence, you know, sort of year after year with a number of returning veterans that are struggling through this, that, you know, now we've got enough data to be able to go, maybe we should be looking at alternative ways of doing these things, which is, it's a positive move. It's just, it's, it's a big ship to turn around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think also the problem is, is that how many people are even aware of the problem? Because we all we all talk about supporting the troops, this and that, and so forth. But a lot of people are just trying to placate themselves, put a little bumper sticker on their car, send someone an email, and then go back to whatever you were doing and not think about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's you're absolutely right. I I, I don't think that there's enough awareness about what's happening, um, and I don't think this is something that we're comfortable talking about. You know, suicide has always been a, a bit taboo. Um, you know, as well as, you know, there's, there's kind of all ends of the spectrum on, you know, the last 13 years of military action. You've got, you know, large percent of the population is completely against it. A large part of the population is completely for it. And, a, you know, a, a segment in the middle doesn't even know what the hell to think or, or people that didn't even know that it was going on. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're fairly divided as a, as a country. And I'm hoping that, oh, no you know, doubt. the welfare and well-being of our vets is, is what could unite us. Is, you know, I don't think anyone wants to see these young men and women taking their own lives. Yeah, no doubt. It's just hard to, it's just hard to have serious discussions with people on, on anything that is serious. I mean, for just for example, after the Ty Ritter episode, just trying to talk to, to neighbors at the dog park or something, like, how are you doing? I was like, normally I, you just go through the normal, oh, I'm great, how are you? And then you move on. But here I would say, oh, I just did this great episode with my friend on the LLA podcast with Ty Ritter, and I would go into how kids are being kidnapped out of the United States as well, sold into sex slavery and human trafficking. It's not just an issue of people in third world countries. It's also an issue happening here. And people would just shut off or change this topic immediately <laughs> or walk away quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's like no one wanted to hear it. And these are, I mean, if you can't, yeah. if you can't get compassionate and motivated to help children, then it's very daunting to try to get someone to be motivated to do anything beyond that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I, you know, I think we're, you know, we're facing kind of a couple of things as a nation. One is you know, the idea of compassion fatigue. We can only, you know, sort of get ourselves behind so many different things before That's, we just kind yeah. of hit the hit a wall. No doubt. And, you know, no I think, doubt. And I think the second is, you know, we in a lot of ways, I, I think what what concerns me is people's inability to do to, to have deep conversations. You know, like yes, if you brought that up point. to me, I'd, I'd be I'd be like, dude talk to me. Like, I, I've, I've never heard about this. This is so foreign to me. But, you know, we'd rather just push our head in the sand and get on our Instagram feed and, you know, you try know, to figure out what the, yeah. you know, what the next cool Apple product to own is rather than you know, try to face up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> that's just so much easier. It's so much easier to worry about the next iPhone than to, to actually focus on some real atrocities going on in the world. Like, oh, you, well, here's one for you. You want the next iPhone? So think about all the little children being exploited over there that's putting together that circuit board for that new iPhone that you are in demand for. Even though you still have the iPhone 6, you just bought it, you know, but you got to get the latest, yeah. greatest thing. But you don't look at what went into you getting that new version of that phone. Then it's like, oh, man, now you make me well, not want my phone. Well, I'm sorry if I actually woke you the fuck up. You know, my my bad <laughs> yeah. for bringing you the truth. <laughs> so, well, you know, like, it, on, I mean, in the same way, you know, we've been talking about you know medication and all these different sort of anesthetizing things. You know, we're we're basically anesthetized to trivial crap. You know, we're, we right. you know right. I was reading an article the other day. They were talking about like teenagers now are suffering with what they call uh, smartphone stupor. You know, yeah. it's like they, they they come home and they've got to, they have to they sit like, you know, like an addict smoking a cigarette. You know, they've got to like sit with their cell phone and scroll through their social media to sort of get like a, like enough of a downer that they can go back to functioning in normal day <laughs> life. It's it's absolutely absurd. Well, the problem is, there's a, there's a, there's a, every time you hear that ping, there's a dopamine response, right? That reward pathway. Oh, it's Pavlov's dog. Look at that, it. Dude. Yeah. yeah so, so when, so when. But people take it one step further where they're not even waiting to get a ping. They're looking at their pages for pings. <laughs> you know, or they have a situation ping. So they, they'll do things to get likes, you know, just so they can, it's like, ding, like, yes, somebody recognized me. Somebody gave me attention. Like, yeah, dude, you, you could have gotten that in real life, too. You know, so it becomes this thing. And it's not just, yeah. you know, teenagers. You know, it becomes adults as well because, again, we're, so many people have that support system. It's there, but it's not there. You know, because everybody feels like it's just them. So many people feel like it's just them. I mean, I know you see that a lot, even with a lot of the vets just come back. They feel like a lot of things, they feel so isolated. You know, so when you yeah. know, we talk about our country being so divided, but it's also very isolated as well at the same time. Yeah. You know, so many people, yeah. who, until they feel like, oh, someone thinks like me. And that's the reason why a lot of times we can't have deep conversations, because as soon as someone has an idea different from yours, then all of a sudden, like, ah, I can't even talk to you, dude. Like, why not? This is like we're individuals. We're going to think differently. And there's nothing wrong with that. We don't all have to be, you know, on the same side all the freaking time, because otherwise yeah. you have a nation of robots. <laughs> and that's the problem. Well, right. Yeah. There. Well, and, you know, Mike and sincere, like I seriously, um, you know, I, I commend you guys because you guys have taken on some some fairly heavy topics. I know you guys have dealt a lot with, um, you know, the human trafficking stuff, as, especially as it relates to kids. You guys have taken on a lot of the vet issues and had on some really great guests. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate you guys have taken a deep, um, and not, not getting the superficial stuff that would be, you know, it'd be a lot easier to just have some entertaining hour and a half of just, you know, shooting the shit, um, rather than taking on real subjects. So, so thanks for doing that. Oh, my pleasure, man. It'd be really boring if we did the status quo of podcast. That's for sure. Exactly. I don't think we'll be doing any, I don't <laughs> we, think we'll be we doing any about workouts data. every, I mean, we're 193, 194 episodes later and we're still talking about our workouts. <laughs> it's just like, nah, yeah. too much, too much. There are a lot of, there are a lot of podcasts that do that already. Too much. So, you know, and we always tell people it's like, Hey man, that's what you want to listen to. We have no problems. Like, don't listen to those shows. It's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But. That was never our mission with this. It's like you know we're we're some we're guys who are pretty open minded to a lot of things. A lot of things interest us out there. We really, instead of just Mike and I talking to each other on the phone about it, we're like you know what this would have been a great podcast episode. We should get a podcast going so we can talk about this. I know it's not again. I know it's not just us that thought about this thing or find find this interesting. And that's what brought this show together. It wasn't like Mike and I were just sitting there talking about our deadlift workouts. Like you know what. 
Man, we should make a podcast about this, man. I'm sure, you know, this would be great just talk about that. It was just one of those aspects of it. It wasn't going to be the deadlift show. You know, it wasn't going to be the kettlebell show. You know, and some people have tried that, and most of those podcasts are gone. Because, again, how many episodes can you hear about that? I mean, there's so much going on out in the world, so many more interesting things. Not to say those things are not interesting, but there's so much that's out there that we don't know about. But we all have access to, but we just kind of need to be pointed in the right direction. So a lot of people may not have known about your organization. They may not have known about Transitions Global and Hope for Justice and now Veterans Path or know about Ch- Project Child Save. If someone hadn't pointed them in that direction, like there are some people out there that listen like, oh, man, that was heavy. Let me see what I can do. I, I would have never known about this because they're not going to see it in a lot of times in those mainstream media outlets out there because they're too busy yeah. trying to yeah. sell. They're too busy trying to sell things, sell fear, sell ratings, and all that. And some this stuff that we talk about sometimes, it's not going to get these mainstream media sources good ratings because most people they want they want to turn that off. They're like, oh, I don't want to hear that, you know. But you want to hear about Trump grabbing somebody by by the hoo ha, huh? Okay, <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. So, that's well, a lot more entertaining. It, 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 yeah, yeah. Well, a poignant, poignant day for the comment. <laughs> well, just just going back to that that cell phone discussion that people are addicted to their smartphones. We had a Shine Down yeah. con, Shine Down Five Finger Death Punch concert a couple weeks ago, and everyone was sitting down during Shine Down. So the lead singer goes, "This is, this ain't the fucking library. Everyone stand up and put your phones away." You know, like one guy was filming nice. him in the front row. He's like, "Put that fucking phone away." <laughs> and all the other bands, all the other bands did that through throughout the night because these bands are fed up of it too. They're, They're up getting on over stage. It, man. They're tired. All they, see is a, all they see is a sea of cell phones out there. Just blue lights, blue lights everywhere. It's just like, you know, there was a time when those used to be lighters. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just like, you know, a slow song comes on, everybody's putting their phone in the air and like, uh, and they're not just doing it just to give us some light. They're actually, okay, let me record this and now we're going to record it all in unison. I was like, well, you know, forget about, forget about lighters. That was called bootlegging back a, in the day and it was illegal. So you went to a, a Bad Brains or Chromex concert in the early 90s. The whole place was a brawl. If you were trying to film something, you were getting kicked in the face. <laughs> you know? yeah, like, the yeah. whole place was just a brawl. And it was a fun time, too. It wasn't like people fighting, yeah. but it was that kind of aggressive outlet. That's what made going to those shows so much fun. But yeah. now if they try to do a show like that, it would be a bunch of people on their cell phones. You know? someone, yeah. jumping off, somebody, somebody jumping off the stage would be... Kicking ten phones, you know. Well, you can't stage, yeah. You can't stage dive now because no one's going to catch you because they're filming you right now. So, <laughs> now, like they're ready to post it on YouTube. Like, man, I remember falling on your ass. Look at Jonathan Davis, you know, going head first into the floor at the corn concert right in front of me. Ha ha! Like you were supposed to catch him, dumbass. You weren't supposed to sit there and film it. Now, now you're now you're on an yeah. episode of ridiculousness because. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that was I was in the airport. I was talking to someone about you know I, I got to see you know, Metallica play at their first stadium tour when they, you know, back in 84 at the, at the Cal Palace, you know, and I uh, know uh, it, uh, uh, in San Francisco. And, and yeah. so I'm telling this guy, you know, about it. And he goes, he goes, did you, did you get it on your cell phone? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, 1984. Not quite. <laughs> yeah. No, not so. Yeah. I, I held up my giant automatic Camp car order. phone that I'm from my, my beta max. out of the column. <laughs> But you, but you know, it, it really has. A, it says a lot about a generation. It's kind of like you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there, does it make a sound? It's kind of like if I had a memory and I didn't film it, did it really happen? 
Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly. That's what it's like. Now. You know, well, one, one step further with that line of thinking, it's it's I want to go experience stuff for the point of posting it on social media later, rather than just experiencing yeah. it for the sake of experiencing it. That's the real challenge. Yeah. Can you go do something and not document it? Well, that's like that's. I mean, that's GoPro's whole thing. You know, like go oh, have yeah. an adventure, but make make sure you captured it. Otherwise, it's going to be real. Yeah, yeah, like that's not sharing the adventure. Sharing the adventure is the next time you go to take that trip, you buy me a ticket too. <laughs> right. That's how you share the adventure. Like, okay, let's all get together yeah, and let's yeah. meet up in Colorado and go skiing together. Don't sit there and go do it and film it and then send me a video clip of it. Like, hey, man, wish wow. you were here. <laughs> well, well, just, just wait. I, I, saw, I saw an ad the other day that uh, GoPro has released its uh, first uh, drone. Yeah, 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 that's right. Amazing. Now you can have it just fly above your experience and film you in third person. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, you know, honestly, I saw that and I was like, I saw that. I was like, yeah, you don't want to do that in Texas. That thing will get shot down. <laughs> <laughs> the goddamn oh, aliens are flying over my house filming me. Damn it! It's either aliens or the government. <laughs> so I'm like, this is not this is not the market for that product right now, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, people, people, yeah, people are going to have a drone in front of them as they walk around their entire day filming it. And yeah, real life, instead of walking their dog, they're walking it. their drone. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> they're just walking around with a remote in their hand. The drone's right above them. It's like, dude, you know, you can go to a shelter and rescue a real animal. You know that, right? No, no, no. Yeah. Just filming me walking around. I'm showing everybody. You know, I'm getting in shape. I'm, I want to show everybody me walking, doing my daily walk. Like, I don't want to watch you walk. Sorry, here's, here's, my, here's, here's me in my garage with my drone. <laughs> that voice sounds vaguely oh, familiar. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. hey, man, where can, where can people find out about all the great work you're doing? Yeah, so they can, they can find us at veteranspath.org. And um, come check us out. They can find us on all the social media channels, too. But um, uh, if they go to the website, they can get lots of great information. And if they're a vet uh, and they're looking for help, um, you know, have them reach out to us. I'd, I'd be more than happy to talk to them. If you're a vet organization that's doing good work, um, reach out to us on our website. We'd love to connect with you. Um, otherwise, you know, if you're, if you're looking for an organization to support, this is an organization that's not just changing lives. It's actually saving them. Well, that's fantastic, man. Well, as usual, you're doing great work. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Sincere. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. All right. You guys have a great day, and um, I'll look forward to talking with you guys again soon. Sounds, Sounds good, good, James. Take care, brother. All yeah, right. Take care. All right. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye. That was good, man. Right. It was good to catch up with James. He's always up to something interesting. Yeah. Always making moves, man, but making moves for the better, <laughs> you know, not just in the business of busyness, you know, so... Yeah, man. He's not, he's not making moves for narcissism, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know it's like you know it's something to be said to be of service, man. And there's so many different ways that we all can do it. So you know, James, he he exemplifies that, man. So you know, if you're looking for inspiration, you know, no one's saying that you have to go and start a you know a, a nonprofit or something like that. But just so many different things out there, you know, be inspired by folks like James. You know, there's something we all can do. Just like we were saying, even if you just go and you you know there's a vet in your neighborhood, you know, just sitting down and just talking with him. Like if you're hanging out in your garage, hey, invite him over. You know, to my you know with me, go ahead and you know if he smokes a cigar, have you know have a cigar, just sit and just talk, man. You don't understand how therapeutic that can be, not just yeah. to a vet, but just to a lot of people because like that human connection beyond being in front of a computer screen, it's like wow, 
It's like, wow, man, you just like, that's some stuff that came up. I didn't even, even think about up until now. And hey, I appreciate that. And then you don't know exactly how that may impact them and what they do next. You know, it might inspire right. them to go right. do something else that's very impactful. So never, never shortchange how powerful you are when you're actually in the moment, like when you're present with someone. So like I said, so there's, there's always something we can do to be better and, and help someone else. We can always be of service some way, somehow. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, man. James kind of reminds well, cool. me of that saying that he reminds me of that saying, imagine how much good you could do if you didn't worry about who got credit. There you go. <laughs> Actually, come on, what was the verse in the back of that Gita that addresses that man about doing the work and you know not worrying about the reward? Yeah, it's all about focusing on the action without the fruits of your labor, without worrying yeah. about the results. And then exactly. if you, so if you're not worried about the results, that's not a distraction. You're able to be fully present in the moment. So you execute the actions with perfection and then you're going to get a, a better result than if you just focused on the result. Exactly. Like I always tell people, don't worry about it. You know, if anyone's watching, someone's always watching. <laughs> so, you know, just do the work. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. So whatever you're doing, make sure that what you're doing is, is, is good. It's adding value to wherever you are because someone's watching and a lot of times they're waiting for it, for you to mess up. So prove them wrong, but don't worry about proving them wrong. Don't focus on trying to prove them wrong. Just do it. I so, mean, Malone, Malone has that great line in one of my favorite movies, Untouchables. He goes, don't wait yeah. for it to happen. Don't even want it to happen. Just watch what does happen because Andy exactly. Garcia's character was, he like, he couldn't sit still. Like he kept on checking his gun, made sure the bullets were in yeah. there. He's like, have you, like, yeah. how many times have you checked it? He's like, oh, I've checked it five <laughs> times. Like, you don't need to check it again. <laughs> He's like, just watch. Don't even want it to happen. Just watch what does right. happen. <laughs> that, that's what happens when, often anticipation is more stressful than the execution. Like once the once you have to do the execution, you're in it. But it's that anticipation that can ruin your execution because you waste so much energy in the anticipation. Sometimes, like when you want to set a PR in the gym, let's say you're like you're like, okay, next Friday I'm going to go for a deadlift PR. It's like okay, great. Now between now and next Friday, I'm thinking about that. As opposed exactly. to you just go to the gym and it's any other workout, right? And all, all of a sudden you're doing your warm up weights. You're like, man, everything feels fucking light today. Today is the day I'm going to go for that fucking PR right? because there's no wasted energy on anticipation now. As right. opposed to like, okay, next Friday I'm doing do or die. I'm doing this. Well, maybe you had a crappy night of sleep the day before next Friday. Maybe you're, you're maybe you had gut issues that entire week, you know. <laughs> but you're like, you know what? Well, I said I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it, and then you have this crappy workout. You missed that PR by 50 pounds. <laughs> you know, you're totally demoralized. So I, th- I think there's. <laughs> He said about not wasting any energy on in the, on that anticipation on anticipation stage, right? Exactly. Like just like yes, like I was talking about yesterday. Like I was so I was like even more focused on working on just the technique you had been talking about. You know, really working on dipping. You know, right. before I pulled the bar on deadlift. And you know, so I'm like, okay, since I'm working with you know such a low you know percentage of my you know my maximum you know my one rep max. This is like a perfect time to really focus on that. And the fact that I'm not trying to think about the other crap that I had on my mind on the way over here. So that made me really dial that in yesterday. And it's funny because like today feels way different than any time I've ever performed, like any variation of German volume training for the right. like the first day of that with deadlift. Today, I just felt like almost like I'd even deadlift yesterday. You know, like I know it's going to I know I'm going to be sore tomorrow. I know my hamstrings and my ass is going to be like sore as hell tomorrow. I can already anticipate it. But for the first time, I don't feel like a little bit of a twinge or burn in my, my lower back whatsoever. So that lets me know, like, specifically, like, I knew my back really wasn't pulling the grunt of the entire program yesterday whatsoever. But I can also just tell just by every time I ripped it off the floor, you know. So 
But you, I didn't even worry about, oh, I'm going to go in today. I'm going to do 10 sets of three. And I'm going to do I wouldn't think about those because that's something that's demoralizing. When you think you got right. 10 sets of, of deadlift, of, no, it doesn't matter how many reps you're doing. Like, damn, 10 sets? It's a lot. <laughs> you know, where I was more focused on, like, I'm working on that dip drive right now. You know, so, and, and it helped. It helped. So, well, I mean, I did, so, uh, I did, a, I did a thousand Hindu squats one time, right? When I was really into yeah. body weight training. And people always ask me, like, you know, how long did it take to work up to that, et cetera? Now, I was doing it every day and I just respond well to reps. But when I did that, when I did that particular workout, I didn't have a goal of I'm doing a thousand reps today. <laughs> you know, I yeah, just did just one, two, <laughs> several hundred in. I was like, okay, this is easy. I'm going to keep going. 500, keep going. But I only focused right. on the rep I was on. 501. Exactly. 502. 503. I wasn't like, okay, I'm on 510 now. I'm going to be on 520 soon. Now I'm on 550. It's like, no, all I focused on was one more rep, one more rep, one more rep, yep. one more rep, and you just keep going. Yeah, and that's pretty much all you can do. There's a lesson right there just in lifting. It's just like, don't worry about, oh, I got to get, you know, 10 reps of this. Like, no, let me get this one. And we learned that big time in kettlebell sport because you can't get ahead of yourself in kettlebell sport when you're doing a 10 minute set. You can't think about making it to minute 10. You can't That's think right. about, oh, I got to hit it. I got to make sure I get to 200 day because I want to break, I want to break a record and I want to get master of sport. Like, no, you have to be in that bad boy one lift at a time. Right. <laughs> because every time, and then the only thing you should be thinking about is repeat, meaning if it's a good rep, repeat that rep, repeat it again, repeat it again. If that was a bad rep, Fix this rep right now. Don't worry about the one that, that was a little bit off. Don't worry about that. Was, that's gone now. There's nothing you can do about it. So such is, you know, how life is. You can't be sitting there worrying about the past mistakes or whatever else. It's like, all right, but what am I doing now? You know, yeah, that, that, I, that I screwed up. Yeah, that, that was just. I mean, it's, what am it's I similar doing right to about it? similar to Ethan Hawke in Gattaca, right? Another one of my favorite movies where he has Gattaca predicts a future where a lot of people are genetically uh, there's. They're genetically created, right? So they're genetically right. created to be superior. So, it, so Ethan Hawke is not, he's, cre- he's born a traditional way. His brother is genetically superior. And they, his brother always beat him swimming. But at the end of the movie, he goes, let's go for it. And this time, Ethan Hawke wins. And his brother's like, how did you beat me? And he goes, I didn't worry about how I was going to get back. I didn't save anything for right. the swim back. Like the whole time we're swimming out, you're thinking, okay, I can't go this far because I, I'm not going to have anything for the swim back. Well, Ethan Hawke was like, I'm just going to go as far as I can. I'm not worried about how I'm going to get back. Right. And because of that superior mindset from not having these genetic gifts, he was able to beat him. Yep. Where previously he always he already he already lost. So I think a lot of times people make that mistake too. Is they're doing a workout and they're on their first exercise. I say they're doing squats. Like okay, I don't want to hit this third set too hard because I got to do all these other things afterwards. And that's <laughs> right. a flaw mistake. It's like no, it's like no. Yeah, it's squat called is the, most, it's the most important exercise you're going to do that day. So give it everything you've got. If you have anything left over, go do those other things which are supplemental. If you don't, then just go home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's what I call dessert syndrome. It's like as soon as you sit down <laughs> in the restaurant and you're already thinking about dessert, but you haven't even made it to that. You haven't even gotten your drinks yet. They haven't like, would you like anything to drink? You're already thinking like, whoo, man, I can't wait to get some of that cheesecake. I'm like, dude, you just sat down. You you're not even drinking tea yet. Like, plowing, through that, the, plowing through that meal like a vacuum cleaner. Like, there's like, I'm going to eat this meal as fast as possible to get dessert. Like, you notice that whenever you and I go out to dinner with people, that they keep coming by every 20 minutes and we still have 30%, like 50% of our plate left on there. Everyone else is done. They're on their, they're on their fifth plate if it's a buffet or they're eating dessert. Like, man, you guys are slow eaters. It's like, no, we're taking our time, man. That's what you, that's what you yeah, do. Yeah, 
to the dismay of the waiter at, at the Mint the last time I was out there a couple of weeks ago. He was like, all right, this is yeah. taking way too long. Give me that damn plate. This is a buffet. You can always go get another one. <laughs> you know, are you finished, sir? And he's already picking it up and walking away. I'm like, well, I guess I am. <laughs> well, I mean, they're so used to people eating so fast that when you're oh. a slow eater, they just assume you must be done if there's a bunch of food on your plate and you're, and you're just talking. You're not actually talking and eating at the same time. Exactly. There were, you know, they're so used to people, you know, wolfing down food and being done or people wasting food at a buffet. Like I have a pile of food that they don't plan on eating. So when a waiter comes by, they're like, oh, oh, here, can you take this, please? Like, dude, there's a lot of food on that plate. Are you serious? And then they get up and go get another plate. I'm like, what, what, what just happened? <laughs> it's like, come on. So I mean, I mean, probably, the, the, in, in the top three reasons of why people have irritable bowel syndrome or digestion issues is eating too fast. Right. Yeah, one is exactly. number one is number one is food choices. You're you're eating a bunch of crap. So of course you're gonna have. I don't care if you eat it slow or fast. You're eating crap. You're gonna have gut issues. But let's say number one, you're eating healthy food. Well, you're still gonna have gut issues eating healthy food if you eat it too fast. You should actually be chewing everything 30 times before swallowing. Now, who the hell does that? I'm not even gonna say I do that. No, but I definitely chew it more than once. Most people don't even chew it once. They just put it in their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Like I don't they even worry about the number. Like I, you know, I don't even worry about the number. What I try to focus on is trying to create as much saliva as possible, because I right. know it's like okay, I need those enzymes to help break this food down. You know, if you're if you're eating food and it's going down dry like that, dude, it's just not a good look because now you put all the responsibility on your, you know, on your gut to take care of. It's like give it a little right. assistance. You know, and that's yeah, why you yeah, see yeah, people yeah, when they're yeah, trying yeah, to swallow, they're kind of like grabbing the chest. I'm like, yeah, it hurts because you just swallow <laughs> a chunk of meat down your chest. And so, yeah, it feels like someone's stabbing you slowly down to your stomach, man. It's like, chew that up. And then they're drinking a ton of water with the meal, which dilutes oh, acidity, God. which is also going to further complicate optimal digestion. Right. So, frankly, you shouldn't really have much. I mean, you can have some liquids during a meal, but it should be minimized. Then afterwards, exactly. have something hot, like a hot cup of tea, a hot cup of coffee. Exactly. Something hot also helps with just finishing off that digestion process, ensuring optimal assimilation. Yeah, you shouldn't be on your third refill of iced tea in the middle of your, you know, the main course. You know, A, that's, that's, either that food's way too salty, it's probably full of MSG and who got Or way too else. spicy if it's Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're above your pay grade with spiciness. Like, nah, you, you weren't ready, dude. <laughs> it's like, you know, trust me, even my wife, she goes, how do you just sit there and eat? It's so spicy. How can you just keep going? I'm like, well, I've been eating spicy food like this since I was little. So I'm not impacted by that. So, <laughs> so you get to the point, she's like, no, I got to stop because I don't feel like drinking all this water in the middle of the meal. And I'm going through it pretty much without even sipping any water. She says, that's just not normal. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, normal for most people is is bloating, excessive gas, you know, constipation. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, man. If I, if I sit there and I eat something and then I rip one like minutes later, I'm su- <laughs> I'm it's that food is suspect to me. I'm like, I'm I'm already going through my head. Like, okay, what the hell was in that? You know, it wasn't what you said it was in that was in there, dude. And you said like, oh, it doesn't have this, this, and this. I'm like, you're lying. You're lying because I know my digestive system, and I shouldn't just rip one like that. Because I know I didn't just inhale it and swallow it or anything like that. I know I chewed it up thoroughly. So, yeah, man. <laughs> Somebody, I don't think you know all the ingredients in your food, which, you know, says a lot also about eating out. You know, no matter, you know, when you try to do your best sometimes and think that some people are catering to the way, you know, you eat or whatever else, you're still leaving it up to chance. It's always going to be a gamble. No matter what you think, like, no, nah, no, not this restaurant. Their food is this, this, and this. Like, yeah, you're, that's hope. That's faith. You hope that it's like that. We don't know exactly where they're buying that food. Or if that week was the one week that they kind of cut back a little bit because and the budget may have been a little off or the supplier didn't have the, uh, the original food that you like that, that really worked in your favor. So they had to cut corners and like, well, we can't shut down just because the supplier doesn't have <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that specific food today. You know, so, hey, just go and buy the cheap stuff just for the day, though. And that's the day that you showed up. 
<laughs> okay, so I mean, the best I mean, thing you can do for one of the best things you can do for a physique composition is not eat out at all. Prepare all yeah. your meals because yeah, you don't exactly. want to leave anything to chance. You want to take control as much as possible of what you're eating and what you're not eating. Exactly. So if you're a competitor in some sort, that's the time you shouldn't be eating out for the most part, man, because you're a little jack everything. You're trying to make weight for something or you're trying to get ready for a photo shoot. It's not the day to go out, man, and, and eat out. You know, do that after whatever the event is. And that's how you, I guess you can celebrate that way. Like, oh, finally, I can actually just be normal and not have to restrict and do all this other stuff. So, yeah, man. So seriously, on that note, though, here's one thing you can do right now is head over to both our websites. Go over to over to NewWarriorTraining.com. Use that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off of anything that you can purchase over there. My DVD, um, also the weight management program, all that. So just use that coupon code LLA. And what about you, man? Well, everyone can use that coupon code LLA. And just speaking on the topic of gut issues, a lot of you guys have crime scene toilet issues. And what you can do to address that is get some restore Restorezyme, load up on your enzymatic pool to not only mitigate inflammation, but also improve your workouts and improve your gut health. Because if you have excess inflammation, your gut is going to be affected negatively by that. So use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off Restorezyme. Get some recovery oil. Improve your deep sleep. Get the testosterone booster, get your mood, your sex drive back, fuel your workouts. And for those of you that are looking for a great pre-workout mix, two caps of aggressive strength, two caps of red, an hour before you train, thank me later. One of my favorite pre-workout rituals right there. A cup of green tea, which I picked up from you, if you throw that in the mix, you're going to amplify it a little bit further. So anyway, use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off now, today. Don't delay. Go do it right now. Exactly. As we mentioned, we mentioned those premium episodes earlier, you know, that's for our Patreon supporters. So head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter on Patreon to get access to premium episodes starting off at $5 or more, folks. And you'll get access to those episodes where we go a little more in depth on some of the things that we even brought up, you know, while we're talking to James. We're talking about hormone optimization, even training programs, German volume training, as we discussed on the last premium episode that we have, just know how to hack that and make it, how to make, how to adjust it and go beyond just what you've read, just the very basics of it, instead of going 10 sets of 10, you know, other ways of using it in which situation that works best for you. We go into all that stuff, man. And so many different other topics that we go into, but like I said, a little bit more in depth and it's just us. So again, patreon.com slash LLA podcast, come up with support $5 or more, make it happen. All right. So don't, don't, just least, make, don't just make a small donation, do it bigly. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I said starting at five dollars. You know, I see some folks come in, you know, they come with that one dollar. You know, my thing is, come on, man, it's, it's like look at the information you're getting and then put the value on that. So and I'll tell you, 99 percent of the people who are on Patreon, you know, they see the value and a lot of them don't even they, they may start with five, but then they'll give that Patreon bump and go up a little higher. They end up changing their monthly donation from there. And. Even the ones that come in with a dollar because Patreon naturally has one dollar sitting in the box when you first get there. And if you're one of those people who come across the show before you really listen to it and you see that, it's naturally, oh, it says become a supporter. You click on that, you know, with that one dollar that's already there by default. But then I always see that five minutes later or ten minutes later, that person comes back and edits and then they add more. You know, they may add a zero behind it and it becomes a ten dollar monthly, you know, support. So there you go, folks. So and, and last but not least. You can always share the episode via any social media outlet that you choose via also any MP3 or podcast 
app that you use as well, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, all of that, man. Share the episode. That didn't cost you anything, but maybe, what, two seconds of your time? So if you listen to the show, an extra two seconds is not going to hurt. All right, man. So that's going to wrap it up for this week as far as that's all I got to say, man. You know, thanks to James for coming on the show. And great. So there you go, folks. So we'll catch you guys on the next episode. All right. Take Take care, care, everyone.